Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I've got a picture on the screen here, and um, I wonder if anybody knows or could tell me who the really, 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 really good-looking guy is in that picture. Probably guessing it was me, right? Um, That's a picture. Yeah, you you know how moms are, right? You know how moms are. my mom was obsessive about putting, like, taking a picture of every moment of our lives. Like, she's like, oh, yeah, Matt's first bowel movement. You know, oh, yeah, you know, Matt's first steps. You know, and she's t- she, has, she has books and books of pictures of me. If it were anybody but mom, other than my mom, it would be creepy. Right, um, but you know, moms do that. We expect expect moms to do that. Take pictures of moments in their life, and my mom took a picture of this moment in my life. And you know how you know, she she was just the way she is. She'd write things, you know. And this moment was from uh, February twenty first, nineteen ninety. Um, that was the day that I was saved. Um, that was the day that I put my, my faith in Jesus, and my mom took a picture of me. I was five years old. Um, I, had, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to ask my mom about this because I have this, like, sweatsuit on. And it says USA, but it's not the USA colors. So I just, I don't understand what the purpose, I don't know, I need to ask my mom about that. But it was on that moment, you know, you know that I was saved. And we're doing a series, and we're starting a series, starting tonight, and we're going to do it for three weeks, and it's called I Doubt It. You know how, like, somebody asks you a question, you say, well, I doubt it, you know. You think we'll be able to go back to school next week without wearing masks? I doubt it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I doubt it, right? So we're doing a series called I Doubt It. What we're talking about is your salvation, being saved. And what I remember is after that picture was taken, you know, I started growing up, I became a teenager, and I started doubting my salvation. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I started doubting my salvation. I started asking some questions that I think really a lot of people ask, especially if you were like me and maybe you were a kid when you were saved or somebody told you that you were saved when you were a kid and you really don't remember it. So one of the questions that I thought about was, did I, did I really mean what I said? Like I was five years old, did I really mean what I said? So we're talking about that tonight. The next question, you know, one, another question that I asked is, well, can I lose it? Like, I can't remember who I was telling, but there was one day, you know, it's first day of school for some people. There was one day, first day of school, I don't know if I was a sophomore or a junior, and it was a half day too. You know what I mean by half? Started off, first day of school was a half day, and somehow I ended up in the principal's office. And my mom was usually upset with me when I was in the principal's office. This time she was like, I just don't understand it. Like, I don't, you, you literally went from class to class to class and got your syllabus. How did you end up in the principal's office on the first day? So, as a teenager, I was starting to wonder, like, mate, I've done some things that were wrong. Obviously, I've done some things that would go against God. I know I, you know, my, I was told that I was saved when I was a kid, but you know, I've screwed up a lot. Does that mean I can lose my salvation? Can I lose my being saved? And then, later, as I continued in life, you know, I started realizing, man, you know, I'm still struggling with sin. And you think, if I'm really saved, 
then why am I still struggling with sin? Like, why is there an addictive sin that I just can't give up? Or why is there an attitude that as hard as I try, I can't get rid of? So tonight, we're going to talk about that first question, did I mean it? So if, if you are a Christian tonight, um, maybe you were like I was, saved a while ago, like, and maybe you're saved when you're a kid, and you, you think, did I really, did I really mean it? When I was five years old, let me tell you some of the Bible truths. For the, I know we have some budding theologians, some budding uh, you know, you know, Bible thinkers in the group. So let me tell you some of the things I didn't know about when I was five years old and was saved. I knew nothing about predestination. I knew nothing about all these Bible terms that describe salvation. I didn't know what justification was. I didn't know what atonement was. I didn't know what, um, the, I, didn't, I didn't understand the Trinity. I didn't know there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I didn't have any idea what the end times were gonna be like, and a lot of us are still trying to figure that out. I didn't know that when I was saved, I was adopted into the family of God. I didn't know that when I was saved, the Holy Spirit would come and live inside my life. There were so many things that I didn't know and I didn't understand when I believed in Jesus. So does that mean I really didn't believe in Jesus back then? Does that mean I really wasn't saved back then? After I was saved, I got in trouble a lot. After I was saved, I, I, could, I could sense that God was calling me into ministry, but I ran from God's call. I disobeyed God. Does that mean I wasn't saved because I was running from God instead of following him and serving him? What do you need to know in order to be saved? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to first, or excuse me, second Timothy chapter two, or excuse me, second Timothy chapter one. And as you're turning there, I want to kind of share with you what the big thought tonight is. And the big thought tonight is that, is that being saved isn't about what you know, but it's about who you know. So if you don't remember, I hope you remember more than just that, but if for some reason you, you, you just got a lot going on in your mind, you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember that sentence. Being saved isn't about what you know, it's about who you know. And as we turn into 2 Timothy, um, it's an interesting book because um, it was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. If you've been coming to Refuel, you've heard about the Apostle Paul um, before. Um, he wrote, and when I say wrote, God gave him the words to write 13 of the books that we find in the New Testament. Um, the Apostle Paul now, as he's writing this letter to Timothy, it's called 2 Timothy, he was in prison. Apostle Paul was in prison three times. He was in prison twice in Rome. The first time it was kind of like, you know, the, the prison they send like all the like the white collar people to, like the people that embezzle money, like they don't put them with the murderers. They put them in like, you know, the, the, resort, the resort prisons, you know, they put them in the ones, you know, where you, you, you get internet, you know, you get, you know, you get like, you know, you, you get nice meals, you know. That was the first time Paul was in prison in Rome, he was actually able, allowed to rent a house and be under house arrest, you know. He had the proverbial ankle bracelet, you know. The second time Paul was in prison in Rome, he was in jail, he was in with, you know, scary guys. You know, he was in with Bubba, you know, who had a voice like this. He said, come here, big boy. You know, he was, he was, he, he was not, not the kind of prison that you want to be in. And he was, as he was sitting in prison, the, the, the rumor had it, what, the rumor that was going around was that Paul was going to be put to death because he was a Christian. Like that Paul was going to be executed. So as he, was, as he was writing this letter, he was writing it to a guy named Timothy. 
And Timothy was, I, I guess if you're familiar with you know, Batman and Robin, Paul was like Batman and Timothy was like Robin. To put it in maybe some other terms that you'd be familiar with, Paul was the Jedi, Timothy was the Padawan, right? And Timothy was younger than Paul, but he, he was Paul's apprentice, and he was, as Paul was starting these churches, he would follow um, Paul around, but there was a problem with Timothy. Timothy was quiet. He was an introvert. Where are my introverts at? You're, you're kind of nervous about raising your hand, right? Because you're an introvert. Um, but Paul, yeah, Timothy was an introvert. And Timothy was young. A lot of people think he was maybe in his late teens, early 20s when he started with Paul. And he was in a church. He was a pastor of a church full of old people. And they were all trying to tell him what to do. And Timothy was supposed to lead these people and he didn't feel confident in leading and he was timid. Timothy had to deal with a lot of health problems. It actually says that he was dealing with stomach issues. Nothing more embarrassing than dealing with stomach issues, right? Um, so Timothy was kind of nervous. Paul's in jail and he's writing this letter. This turns out to be the last letter that Paul would write. The, this is the last book of the Bible that we have from Paul. And as he was writing it, um, we're going to start in verse 8 and we're going to end in verse 12. It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, I like this part, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. And I, if, if you're looking at the screens, I've got it in yellow, like to, to note it. Because he says, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And from the, this, these set of verses, and especially that last verse, what I'm hoping, or really what I've been praying this week that you, that you find is confidence in knowing that you're saved. And if you've never been saved, if you don't know that you, you have a home in heaven um, when, when you die, if you don't know that you've been covered by Jesus' death, that your sins have been forgiven, my prayer is that tonight you know so clearly what it takes and what is it means to be saved. So I want you to have confidence in your salvation. We're gonna talk about through this verse three things that, can, that give us confidence and that we can be confident in our salvation. The first is that confidence in salvation is possible. By the way, in like two weeks, hopefully we can get this all together. Jordan doesn't even know what's happening. Poor guy, like, like he just shows up in my office on you know, the next day and he's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, I had this idea in the shower and we're gonna do this. So um, um, that's where all the best ideas come from. But here soon, we're gonna put in a Bible bar we talked about it at our leaders meeting where we're going to, usually those two words don't go together, right? We're going to put up a Bible bar back there where we're going to have extra Bibles in case you forgot to bring your Bible. We're going to have pens, highlighters, ways in, yeah, we're coming up with our own refuel notebooks so that you can like, like keep notes. We're going to make it, we really want you to, to dig into the Bible. So tonight we're going to be digging into the Bible. We're going to take that, that, that verse, that verse 12 and break it down kind of word by word because I want you to be confident 
in the fact that you are saved, if you are saved. I don't want you to struggle with doubt. I want you to zoom in in, cha- in chapter 1, verse 12, on the words, that day. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What did Paul mean when he said that day? I put a picture of a jug of milk on there. Have you ever opened up the fridge? You ready for some milk? You want to put it on your cereal? You want a nice glass of milk? You open the milk up. Maybe you don't even sniff, you know, you should always smell the milk, but you don't sniff it. Have you ever poured a glass of milk, taken a gulp, and it's sour? Or even worse, have you taken a gulp and you realize this milk is not entirely liquid anymore? It is, here's a disgusting word. It has become congealed. Or it has, here's another word that's so disgusting. It has in it curds. (laughs) Because milk has what? An expiration date. You know, Paul, when he wrote about that day, you know who he was talking about? He was talking about his life's expiration date. Because Paul was sitting in a Roman prison. The talk around town was that he was about, he was going to be executed because the Roman emperor was a guy, you may have heard of him, his name was Nero, who hated Christians. And he made it a sport to put Christians to death. He used Christians as human torches to light his vineyards and to light his gardens. He hated Christians. And Paul was like like, like the the most famous Christian at the time. Talk was that Paul was going to die. Everybody was saying he was going to die, and Paul felt like he was going to die. And he says that I'm convinced that God will guard until that day what has been deposited in me, my salvation. So Paul was looking forward. He was looking at, I should say, his expiration date. If you have your, I hope hope you start bringing your Bible. If you need a Bible, see me afterwards. I've got a Bible I can give to you. But if you kind of maybe turn a page over and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says this about himself. He says, kind of funny when we're talking about milk, but it wasn't funny to Paul. He said, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul said, I know that here pretty soon I'm going to die. History says, or tradition says, that about six months after Paul wrote this letter to his Padawan, Timothy, that he died. Nobody knows exactly the way he dies. Tradition says that he was beheaded. You know, he, he had a off with his head. But he knew that he had an expiration date. But I want you to think about that when Paul says that day. Not only does Paul, or did Paul, have an expiration date for his body, his life. You and I have an expiration date. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this, it's appointed unto man, it's appointed unto people, once to die, everybody has an expiration date. And what's kind of crazy as as a teenager, it's easy to think that your expiration date is like way out there. I mean, you run into, you know, you run into people like me and you're like, yeah, you're, you're old. You're, you know, your expiration date's coming up here pretty soon. You know, you better get right with Jesus, Matt. But you know, what's, what's just crazy and what is so sad is that every year, just about every year uh, in our community here, if you factor in, you know, all the schools, private, public, you know, or in the tri-state area every year, there's at least one teenager whose expiration date 
comes up. There have been teens who have been in our youth group and have met their expiration date as a teenager. Everybody has an expiration date and only God knows what that date is. But in Hebrews 9, what you may want to do if if you're a circler and you did bring your Bible and you did bring your brain, you may want to circle that day and next to that phrase, those two words that day, right? Hebrews 9, 27. Because it says, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. That means that after death, there is something. And what is that something? It means after death, Whether you're good, bad, pretty, or ugly, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see God, and you're going to stand before God, and you are going to be judged. That doesn't necessarily make me feel very confident, but Paul was confident. Why was Paul confident? Because what Jesus did. Look at what he says here in verse 10. It says, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul was saying, my expiration date's coming up, but guess what? I'm not freaking out. I'm not trying to find like the Holy Grail, the fountain of youth. I'm not trying to extend my life. I'm confident because I know, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again, and that because I believed in him, I'm not worried about death. Death is kind of a scary thing, right? Because we read in the Bible Jesus' words that those who don't believe in him go to an eternal place called hell where it doesn't end, the fire torments, but it never relents. How could Paul be so confident? It's because he placed his faith in Jesus. Where are my nerds at? We got a few nerds here, right? I want to show you something, just how confident Paul was. First, he says in verse 12, I'm not ashamed. That word for ashamed, when we think of ashamed, we think of the naked dream or the boxer's dream. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like you, 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 maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just weird. But like, you have this dream, like you're dreaming and, and you walk in a room and like everybody's like staring at you, maybe laughing, maybe snickering. And you're like, what's so funny? And then you realize, oh, I don't have my pants on. Like, nobody else has that dream. Okay. Um, so, so, but you, when we think of ashamed, we think of embarrassed. You know, we, we, we think of something happening to us, everybody seeing it, laughing, you know, you know, talking about it, whispering about it. That's what we think of when we think of ashamed. What this word means here for ashamed has to do with, it used, it's used in the Bible to denote like denial, abandonment, or doubt. It's used in Mark 8, 38. Jesus says, whoever's ashamed of me in my words, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in glory of his father. Romans 1, 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't deny the gospel. Hebrews 2, 11 says that God, Jesus is not ashamed to call us who believe in him brothers. Hebrews eleven sixteen 16, it says God is, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So his, it has this idea with running away from the faith. And Paul, when he's looking at his expiration date, he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not running away. Look at the other word he uses. He uses the word, I'm convinced. Other versions of the Bible says, I'm persuaded. So Paul's this old old guy, this old crusty guy. He's sitting in this disgusting Roman prison. He's getting ready to be put to death in six months, head chopped off, and he's not scared. He's 100% confident in his salvation. So I want you to know that 
being confident knowing that you're saved is possible. I've talked to some people before and I say, hey, you know, do you, do you know if you're saved? Well, I sure hope so. Hey, do you know if you're saved? Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I try to do good things and hopefully like, at the end of my life, the, you know, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds and St. Peter will let me in the gates, you know, the pearly gates. No, it's possible to know that when you die, when you meet your expiration date, that you're gonna be in heaven with Jesus. It's possible to know that. Not only is confidence in your salvation possible, it's powerful. It's all P words tonight, by the way. I couldn't make them F words. I really tried, but I just couldn't make them F words. Confidence in your salvation is powerful. Look at what he says here. Maybe, yeah, I underline this section. You may want to underline it here too. In verse 12, he says, I know who I'm believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me. What was it that Paul had entrusted to him? It was his life. Paul was someone who did incredible things for God. And Paul said that I trusted God my whole life and I'm gonna trust him to get me to heaven. Jude 24 says it like this, that God is able to keep us from stumbling. Paul didn't distrust God to get him into heaven past his expiration date, which is a big deal. God, or Paul trusted God to get him through those six months that he would have to spend in prison, chained up to Bubba and Bubba's girlfriend. He trusted God the time that people beat him and left him for dead. He trusted God the times that he was told, don't preach the gospel anymore, and he continued to preach the gospel. He trusted that God will give him the power. Confidence in being saved is powerful. Look at chapter four, verse 18 of this same book here. He says this, he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Paul was confident that one day when he died, he would meet Jesus and that allowed him to be all in for Jesus during his life. There's a story that I've heard that I think really helps illustrate what I'm talking about. There was a guy who was hunting in Alaska. Where are my hunters at? Do we have any hunters in the room? Yeah. He was hunting moose in Alaska. And as he was hunting these moose or meese, moose in Alaska, he came, on, he, came across a, he came up to a river, and this river was frozen. He'd heard people say, you can cross over that river. You can walk across the river because it's frozen. You won't fall in. But then he'd also heard some stories that said, well, you know, you gotta be careful because if you fall into that river, it's gonna suck you under and you're, just, you're, gonna, you're gonna die. So he thought, well, I really wanna shoot some deer. I've heard that it's safe to cross, but he was a little nervous. So what he did was he slung his gun on his shoulders and he got down on all fours to distribute his weight more evenly and crossed, was crossing the river like this, just being so careful so carefully. And as he was crossing that river, all of a sudden he felt rumbling. And at first he thought it might be the ice shaking and breaking. But the closer that he, that rumbling and that sound came, he looked up and coming down the mountain towards the river was a log truck that was loaded down with the biggest poplar trees you've ever imagined. 
weighed tons upon tons upon tons. And it was headed down a road right for that river. And as he was trying to barely cross on all fours, that truck drove onto the river. The guy nailed the gas and was just crossing that river at a breakneck speed. Arm out the window, probably singing country music really loud. And for now I'm dodging potholes in my sunburned Silverado. And think about the contrast. This guy's barely trying to cross, afraid he's going to fall through. And he looks up and he sees this 20-ton truck rumbling across. Both of them were trusting the ice. One of them was enjoying the journey. Confidence in knowing that you're saved allows you to be like Paul and not just, oh, I hope I'm saved. Oh, I did this. Uh, I, did I remember about, did I, did I understand sanctification when I was five years old and, and believed in Jesus? Oh man, I don't know if I'm saved. Having confidence in knowing you're saved allows you to drive your life like a 20-ton truck across a frozen river and do things for Jesus that you never thought you'd be able to do because you're not, you don't care about what those people that give you glances in the hallway the first day of school think. All you care about is what Jesus thinks because you know you're going to meet him. So confidence in being saved is powerful. But the final thing I want you to remember is that confidence in being saved is plain and simple. Paul said, I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed. Paul was a really smart guy and he could have trusted his smarts. He could have trusted his knowledge or tried to trust his knowledge to get him to heaven for salvation. In Paul, during Paul's time, there were a lot of people, they were called two things. Some were called Gnostics, and they thought there was like this deeper meaning behind everything, and they were trying to find this like hidden knowledge. And there were people called Sophists, who were like, they, they were like the, the, the scientists who were trying to study everything, and they say, if it, if it can't be proven, if you can't see it in a, you know, through glasses, if you can't read about it in a book, it's not true. And Paul went and he debated them. There's, a, there's an incredible story in Acts where Paul goes up to this, you know, this place called the Areopagus and he reasons with some of the top thinkers in the world and convinces some of them of the truth of Jesus. He was a very smart guy. Wrote down a few other things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that Paul was taken up to the third heaven and there were things that were revealed to him, truths about God that nobody else could know. God spoke directly. Jesus spoke directly to Paul in his ear. And he was, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, able to write down the things that God told him. But what do you see here? Did Paul say, I know how much I know and I'm persuaded <laughs> that I'll be okay on that day? No. Paul could have trusted his life. Paul planted, it's estimated, about 20 churches during his life. In 2 Corinthians 11, we learned that he was beaten almost to death three times. He was shipwrecked three times. Remember that, guys, that are camping out with me and taking the kayaks out. He was shipwrecked three times. He was arrested three times and spent five and a half years of his life in prison. He wrote, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 13 books of the Bible. Did Paul say, I know how much I've done for God and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day? No, Paul said, I know who I've believed. If you look up this word and you look at the tense in this word, 
Where my Greek people at? This word was written in what's called the perfect tense. Greek has two ways of describing things that happened in the past. The first one is a continuous thing, meaning when I, meaning that I started something and I'm continuing to do it. I am believing in Jesus. I am going to school. I started today and I'm still going. But this was written in a different, this was, this was written in what's called the perfect tense, meaning it was an event that happened and is finished. So Paul says, I believed. It's the same word that, that, that we use when Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross and he says it, and he said, it is finished to telestai. It's done. No more has to be done. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same, um, the same tense. He says, I know who I've believed. He looked back to a day. Paul looked back to a day when he was traveling on a road, going to Damascus, and he heard from Jesus. He saw Jesus for who he was, and he said, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. When Paul needed that confidence to face his expiration date, confidence that he was saved, he didn't look to all the theology he knew. He didn't look to all the acts of service that he did to God and how much he submitted to Jesus's like kingship and lordship. He looked back to the day when he said, I believe in Jesus and I believe in what he did. So the question for us is, can we look back on a time in our lives when we said, when I said, when you said, I believe in Jesus. The question isn't, was I baptized? The question isn't, did I go on a mission trip? The question isn't, did I memorize a catechism? The question isn't, are my parents saved? The question is, can you look back on your life and was there a time where you said, I believe in Jesus? It comes down to that. Paul's confidence was, he says, I know who I believe. So being saved isn't about what you know, it's about who you know. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, the first thing is, believe in Jesus. Maybe some of you have never put your faith in Jesus. You, you didn't understand, you've been coming to church, you've been doing Christian things, you didn't understand that it was plain and simple, that you need to just believe and trust Jesus. Got a question for you. Which of the two, the hunter or the truck driver, believed in the ice? Both. The truck driver believed in the ice a lot, right? The hunter believed enough to trust his life to the ice, right? The question isn't how big is your faith. The question is what are you putting your faith in? Being saved isn't about what you know, it's about who you know. So the first thing, reach up. Some of you need to reach up to God and believe. Some of you, you've struggled with whether or not you are actually saved because you think, I was a kid. I don't know, I don't know what I, I I'm not sure if I knew what I was doing. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you have the faith of a child, it takes childlike faith to believe in him. So the question isn't, did I understand all the theology? The question is, did I know enough to believe that Jesus died for my sin and that he rose again? That's a question that I can't answer for you. That's a question you have to answer for yourself. So tonight, if you're struggling with whether or not you're saved, go back to the moment and find assurance. Uh, the next thing is, we, we shouldn't just be reaching up. We should be reaching out. We should be reaching out to others. If this is truly 
the gospel, if knowing that you're saved is really plain and simple, we should be excited about that because that means we don't have to have like a, a, a binder full of apologetical resources to share the gospel with someone. We just have to tell them, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe that he died for your sins. Yeah, I, something that I, I've, I wrote this down a few months ago and it just keeps going through in my head is that there are two problems in the world and the problem isn't Afghanistan. The problem isn't COVID. This is the greatest problem in the world. Problem number one, the majority of people in the world have never heard the gospel. So if they don't hear the gospel, they're destined for hell unless they hear and believe. That's a problem. But the second problem is really sad. Problem number two is that Christians are living like problem number one doesn't exist. Jesus said, go and preach the good news. Go and preach the gospel. And if it really is as simple as believing in Jesus, that means any of us can share the gospel. So we're gonna pray. Uh, We're gonna get out of here. Um, But as you kind of bow your head and close your eyes, I wanna give you the opportunity to spend a moment with Jesus. Here in a minute, you're gonna leave the building. You're gonna go back home. You're gonna get ready for the next day of school. You started a new school year, but the question is, have you started the new school year with the confidence that you're saved? There's no more important question than that. So as you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, I wanna ask you, yeah, it's a privilege of mine that I get to pray for you, so I just wanna ask you a a few questions as you're, just please keep your head bowed and eyes closed, and don't, don't look around at others, but Is there anybody here tonight that there is somebody that you know that needs to believe in Jesus, that has never believed in Jesus, and you would love to see them believe in Jesus this school year? Nobody's looking, but will you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? There's somebody I know that needs to believe in Jesus, and I'd love to see them put their faith in Jesus. Thank you. Um, The next question that I want to ask is, maybe is there someone here tonight that's just you've been struggling with this. You've been doubting your salvation. You say, Matt, I I, want to know for sure that I'm saved tonight. And will you just kind of, I won't call your name. I won't embarrass you. I'll just remember who you are and I'll pray for you um, when I go home this evening. You say, Matt, I don't know for sure that I'm saved and I want to know for sure. Will you just pray for me tonight? Will you just remember me in your prayer? Just put your hand up, put it back down. Just that I know that I can pray for you and remember you in prayer. Thank you so much. Um, before we leave tonight, um, we're, pr- we're gonna pray. I want you to pray for you. Um, I'm gonna pray for all of us. And uh, if, this is, if this is something that you've never settled with Jesus before, the Bible says believe. Maybe you pray a simple prayer to God. You're not saved by the prayer that you pray. You're saved by the attitude of your heart. Um, Maybe you pray a prayer that goes something along the lines of, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Um, I know there's no way for me to be saved, my sins to be forgiven without Jesus. And I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that when he died on the cross, he died for my sins. And that by believing on him, I can live forever with you. So God, I ask that you save me. I believe in your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I pray that as we start this school year that we will start with the confidence in knowing that there's nothing between us and Jesus. God, that we'll have that confidence in knowing that, yeah, even though we have an expiration date, we know what's gonna happen after that expiration date. God, I pray that you'll give us boldness to witness to people, to share the good news with people. It really is that easy.
and that simple to believe in Jesus. Um, God, I pray that you'll be with us as we leave, that you'll protect us, bring us back next week, um, ready to hear from you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.